Chapter sixty seven B of Thomas Wingfold Curate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Smith. Thomas Wingfold Curate by George MacDonald. Sixty seven B. A sermon to Leopold. When the curate stood up to read, his eyes, as of themselves, sought Miss Ramshorn's pew. There sat Helen, with a look that revealed, he thought, more of determination and less of suffering. Her aunt was by her side, cold and glaring, an ecclesiastical puss, ready to spring upon any small church mouse that dared squeak in its own murin way. Bascombe was not visible, and that was a relief, for an unbelieving face, whether the dull dining countenance of a mayor or the keen searching countenance of a barrister, is a sad bone in the throat of utterance, and has to be of set will passed over, and if that may be, forgotten. Wingfold tried hard to forget Miss Ramshorn's and one or two besides, and by the time he came to the sermon, thought of nothing but human hearts, their agonies, and him who came to call them to him. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Was it then of the sinners first our Lord thought, er, he came from the bosom of the Father? Did the perfect will embrace in the all-atoning tenderness of the divine heart, the degraded, disfigured, defiled distorted thing whose angel is too blind ever to see the face of its father through all the hideous filth of the charnel house which the passions had heaped upon her did the world recognize the bound wing lamed feather draggled psyche painted in horrible torture did he have a desire to the work of his hands the child of his father's heart and therefore strong in compassion speed to the painful rescue of hearts like his own that purity ere defilement should thus meet across all the great dividing gulf of law and morals the friend of publications and sinners think he was absolutely friendly with them was not shocked at them held up no hands of dismay only they must do so no more if he were to come again visibly now which do you think would come crowding around him in greater numbers the respectable churchgoers, or the people from the slums. I do not know. I dare not judge. But the fact that the church draws so few of those that are despised, of those whom Jesus drew, and to whom most expressly he came, gives ground for question as to how far the church is like her Lord. Certainly many a one would find the way to the feet of the Master, from whom the respectable churchgoer the Pharisee of our time, and the priest who stands on his profession, would draw back with disgust. And doubtless it would be in the religious world that a man like Jesus, who without a professional education, a craftsman by birth and early training, uttered scarce a phrase endorsed by clerical use, or a word of the religious cant of the day, but taught in simplest natural forms the eternal facts of faith and hope and love, would meet 
with the chief and perhaps the only bitter opponents of his doctrine and life but did our lord not call the righteous did he not call honest men about him james and john and simon sturdy fisherfolk who faced the night and the storm worked hard fared roughly lived honestly and led good cleanly lives with father and mother or with wife and children i do not know that he said anything special to convince them that they were sinners before he called them but it is to be remarked that one of the first effects of his company upon simon peter was that the fisherman grew ashamed of himself and while ashamed was yet possessed with an impulse of openness and honesty no less than passionate the pure man should not be deceived as to what sort of company he was in depart from me for i am a sinful man o lord i would i could clearly behold with my mind's eye what he then saw in jesus that drew from him that cry he knew him for the messiah what was the working of the carpenter upon the fisherman that satisfied him of the fact would the miracle have done it but for the previous talk from the boat to the people i think not anyhow st peter judged himself among the sinners and we may be sure that if these fishers had been self-satisfied men they would not have left all and gone after him who called them still it would hardly seem that it was specially as sinners that he did do so again did not men such as the lord himself regarded as righteous come to him nicodemus nathaniel the young man who came running and kneeled to him the scribe who was not far from the kingdom the centurion in whom he found more faith than in any jew he who had built a synagogue in capernaum and sculptured on its lintel the pot of manna these came to him and we know he was ready to receive them but he knew such would always come drawn of the father they did not want much calling they were not so much in his thoughts therefore he was not troubled about them they were as the ninety and nine the elder son at home the money in the purse doubtless they had much to learn were not yet in the kingdom but they were crowding about its door if i set it forth all right i know not but thus it looks to me and one thing i cannot forget it meets me in the face that some at least who knows if not all of the purest of men have counted themselves the greatest sinners neither can i forget that other saying of our lord a stumbling block to many our lord was not so careful as perhaps some would have had him lest man should stumble at the truth the first shall be last and the last first while our lord spoke the words the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth god service even then was saul of taurus at the feet of gamal preparing to do god that service but like one born out of due time after all the rest he saw the lord and became the chief in labor and suffering thus the last became first and i bethink me that the beloved disciple who leaned on the bosom of the lord who was bolder to ask him than any with the boldness of love he whom the meek and lowly called a son of thunder 
was the last of all to rejoin the master in the mansions of his father last or first if only we are with him one thing is clear that in the order of the lord's business first came sinners who that reflects can fail to see this at least that a crime brings a man face to face with the reality of things he who knows himself a sinner i do not mean as one of the race the most self-righteous man will allow that as a man he is a sinner he to whom in the words of the communion service the remembrance of his sins is grievous and the burden of them intolerable knows in himself that he is a lost man he can no more hold up his head among his kind he cannot look a woman or a child in the face he cannot be left alone with the chaos of his thoughts and the monsters it momentarily breeds the joys of his childhood the delights of existence are gone from him there dwells within him an ever-present judgment and fiery indignation such a man will start at the sound of pardon and peace even as the camel of the desert at the sin of water therefore surely is such a man nearer to the gate of the kingdom than he against whom the world has never wagged a tongue who never sinned against a social custom even and has as easy a conscience as the day he was born but who knows so little of himself that while he thinks he is good enough he carries within him the capacity and possibility of every cardinal sin waiting only the special and fitting temptation which like the match to the charged mind shall set all in a roar of this danger he knows nothing never dreams of praying against it takes his seat in his pew sunday after sunday with his family nor ever murmurs lead us not into temptation with the least sense that temptation is a frightful thing but repeats and responds and listens in perfect self-satisfaction doubting never that a world map of such as he must be a pleasant sight in the eyes of the perfect there are men who will never see what they are capable or in danger of until they have committed some fearful wrong nay there are some for whom even that is not enough they must be found out by their fellow-men and scorned in the eyes of the world before they can or will admit or comprehend their own disgrace and there are worse still than these but a man may be oppressed by his sins and hardly know what it is that oppresses him there is more of sin in our burdens than we are ourselves aware it needs not that we should have committed any grievous fault do we recognize in ourselves that which needs to be set right that of which we ought to be ashamed something where we lifted above all worldly anxieties would yet keep us uneasy dissatisfied take the essential gladness out of the sunlight make the fair face of the earth indifferent to us a trustful glance a discomposing look and death a darkness i say to the man who feels thus whatever he may have done or left undone he is not so far from the kingdom of heaven but that he may enter therein too if he will and if there be here any soul withered up with dismay torn with horrible wonder that he should have done the deed which he yet hath done to him i say flee from the self that hath sinned and hide thee with christ in god or if the words sound to thee as the words of some unknown tongue and i am to thee as one that bequeath the air i say instead call out in thy agony that if there be a god he may hear the voice of his child 
and put forth his hand and lay a hold upon him and rend from him the garment that clings and poisons and burns squeezed the black drop from his heart and set him weeping like a summer rain o blessed holy lovely repentance to which the son of man the very root and man of man hath come to call us good it is i know it come and repent with me o heart wounded by thine own justice and wrong and together we will seek the merciful think not about thy sin so as to make it either less or greater in thine own eyes bring it to jesus and let him show thee how vile a thing it is and leave it to him to judge thee sure that he will judge thee justly extenuating nothing for he hath to cleanse thee utterly and yet forgetting no smallest excuse that may cover the amazement of thy guilt or witness for thee that not with open eyes didst thou do the deed and the last he cried father forgive them for they know not what they do for his enemies the truth should be spoken his first words when they had nailed him to the cross but again i say let it be christ that excuseth thee he will do it to more purpose than thou and will not wrong thy soul by excusing thee a hair too much or thy heart by excusing thee a hair too little i dreamed once that i had committed a terrible crime carried beyond myself by passion i knew not at the moment how evil was the thing i did but i knew it was evil and suddenly i became aware when it was too late of the nature of that which i had done the horror that came with the knowledge was of the things that belong only to the secret soul i was the same man as before i did it yet was i now a man of whom my former self could not have conceived the possibility as dwelling within it the former self seemed now by contrast lovely in purity yet out of that seemingly purity this fearful foul eye of the present had just been born the face of my fellow-man was an avenging law the face of a just enemy where how should the frightful face be hidden the conscious earth must take it into its wounded bosom and that before the all-seeing daylight should come but it would come and i should stand therein pointed at by every ray that shot through the sunny atmosphere the agony was of its own kind and i have no word to tell what it was like an evil odor and a sickening pain combined might be a symbol of the torture as in the nature of dreams possibly i lay but a little second on the rack yet an age seems shot through and through with the burning meshes of that crime while cowering and terror-stricken i tossed about the loathsome fact in my mind i had done it and from the done there was no escape it was for evermore a thing done came a sudden change i awoke the sun stained with glory the curtains of my room and the light of light darted keen as an arrow into my very soul glory to god i was innocent the stone was rolled from my sepulchre with the darkness whence it had sprung the cloud of my crime went having lurid away i was a creature of the light and not of the dark for me the sun shone and the wind blew for me the sea roared and the flowers sent up their odors for me the earth had nothing to hide 
My guilt was wiped away. There was no red worm gnawing at my heart. I could look my neighbor in the face, and the child of my friend might lay his hand in mine and not be defiled. All day long the joy of that deliverance kept surging on in my soul. But something yet more precious, more lovely than such an awakening, will repentance be to the sinner. For after all, it was but a dream of the night from which that set me free, and the specter deed that vanished had never had a place in the world of fact, while the horror from which repentance delivers is no dream but a stubborn abiding reality. Again, the vanishing vision leaves the man what he was before, still capable it may be of committing the crime from which he is not altogether clean to whom in his sleep it was possible. Repentance makes of the man a new creature, one who has awaked from the sleep of sin to sleep that sleep no more. The change in the one case is not for greatness comparable with that in the other. The sun that awakes from the one sleep is but the outward sun of our earthly life, a glorious indeed and lovely thing, which yet even now is gathering a crust of darkness, blotting itself out and vanishing. The sun that awakes a man from the sleep of death is the living sun that casts from his thought out into being that other sun, with the space wherein it holds planetary court, the father of lights, before whose shining in the inner world of truth eternal, even the deeds of vice become as spectral dreams, and with the night of godlessness that engendered them flee away. But a man may answer and say to me, Thou art but born on the wings of thine imagination. The fact of the crime remains. Let a man tear out his heart in repentance, and no awakening can restore an innocence which is indeed lost. I answer, The words thou speakest are in themselves true, yet thy ignorance makes them false. Thou knowest not the power of God, nor what resurrection from the dead means. What if, while it restored not thy former innocence, it brought thee a purity by the side of whose white splendor and inward preciousness the innocence thou hadst lost was but a bauble, being but a thing that turned to dross in the first furnace of its temptation? Innocence is indeed priceless, that innocence which God counteth innocence, but thine was a flimsy show, a bit of polished and cherished glass, instead of which, if thou repentest, thou shalt in thy jewel-box find a diamond. Is thy purity, O fair psyche of the social world, upon whose wings no spattering shower has yet cast an earthly stain, and who knowest not yet whether there be any such thing as repentance, or need of the same, is thy purity to compare with the purity of thy heavenly psyche twice born who even now in the twilight slumbers of heaven dreams that she washes with her tears the feet of her lord and wipes them with the hairs of her head o bountiful god who wilt give us back even our innocence tenfold he can give an awakening that leaves the past of the soul ten times farther behind than ever waking from sleep left the dreams of the night. 
if the potency of that awakening lay in the inrush of a new billow of life fresh from its original source carrying with it an enlargement of the whole nature and its every part a glorification of every faculty every sense even so that the man forgetting nothing of his past or its shame should yet cry out in the joy of his second birth lo i am a new man i am no more he who did that awful and evil thing for i am no more capable of doing it god be praised for all is well would not such an awakening send the past afar into the dim distance of the first creation and wrap the ill deed in the clean linen cloth of forgiveness even as the dull creature of the sea rolls up the grain of intruding sand in the lovely garment of a pearl such an awakening means god himself in the soul not disdaining closet vital company with the creature he foresaw and created and the man knows in full content that he is healed of his plague nor would he willingly lose the scars which record its outbreak for they tell him what he is without god and set him ever looking to see that the door into the heavenly garden stands wide for god to enter the house when it pleases him and who can tell whether in the train of such an awakening may not follow a thousand opportunities and means of making amends to those whom he has injured nor must i fail to remind the man who has committed no grievous crime that except he has repented of his evil self and abjured all wrong he is not safe from any even the worst offence there was a time when i could not understand that he who loved not his brother was a murderer now i see it to be no figure of speech but in the realities of man's moral and spiritual nature an absolute simple fact the murderer and the unloving sit on the same bench before the judge of eternal truth the man who loves not his brother i do not say is at this moment capable of killing him but if the natural working of his unlove be not checked he will assuredly become capable of killing him until we love our brother yes until we love our enemy who is yet our brother we contain within ourselves the undeveloped germ of murder and so with every sin and the tables are out of the tables there is not one in this congregation who has a right to cast a look of reproach at the worst felon who ever sat in the prisoner's dock i speak no hyperpole but simple truth we are very ready to draw in our minds a distinction between respectable sins human imperfections we call them perhaps and disreputable vices such as theft and murder but there is no distinction in fact many a thief is a better man than many a clergyman and miles nearer to the gate of the kingdom than the heavenly order goes upon other principles than ours and there are first that shall be last and last that shall be first only at the root of all human bliss lies repentance come then at the call of the watcher the healer 
the giver of repentance and light the friend of publicans and sinners all ye on whom lies the weight of a sin or the gathered heap of a thousand crimes he came to call such as you that he might make you clear and clean he cannot bear that you should live on in such misery such badness such blackness of darkness he would give you again your life the bliss of your being he will not speak to you one word of reproach except indeed you should aim at justifying yourselves by accusing your neighbor he will leave it to those who cherish the same sins in their hearts to cast stones at you he who has no sin casts no stone hartley he loves you hartley he hates the evil in you so hartley that he will even cast you into the fire to burn you clean by making you clean he will give you rest if he upbraid it will not be for past sin but for the present little faith holding out to him an acorn cup to feel the rest of you keep aloof if you will until you shall have done some deed that compels you to cry out for deliverance but you that know yourselves sinners come to him that he may work in you his perfect work for he came not to call the righteous but sinners us you and me to repentance end of chapter sixty seven b recording by john smith